What's up? Welcome back to Microfamous. A really interesting topic today. I was actually thinking uh, about this issue a lot lately uh, to the point where an idea for a sketch about this came into my head like at 10 o'clock at night last night. And I had to uh, get up and uh, break out the, the laptop and the, the sketchbook program and, and sketch some things out. And uh, I think it clarifies just kind of where what my thoughts are on the state of social media right now and how much it's skewing uh, the, the decisions we make in our marketing, basically. And so there's a few bullet points that I want to cover today on social media, where it's at, the challenge that we face with the algorithm, what we as coaches and consultants uh, are doing about it, can do about it, and uh, and really how do we make good decisions and how do we think about social media clearly without just getting kind of pushed around by all the messaging that's out there from the social media companies themselves and the big influencers that they promote, like the Gary V's and the Grant Cardone's of the world. So let's start with this. Uh, the whole kind of I don't know, the main, the big idea of this episode is that we're kind of stuck in this outdated mindset and we actually need to treat social media according to the new rules of the game. Because here's what's changed really the, the rules of the game, which is the algorithm. So if, you, uh, if you're on the email list, you might see the sketch that I whipped up uh, in the email itself. If not, just go to uh, the post for this episode on the website and you'll see it there. But imagine, you know, you've got this big circle of people that is your followers. You know, uh, I've got almost 10,000 people that follow me on Facebook, mostly due to, uh, you know, Real Estate Uncensored and some of the other podcasts that I've hosted over the years. So I've got a ton of people in real estate and mortgage and sales and all these different kind of local service businesses that follow me, as well as some coaches, consultants, people in the thought leadership world that I've connected with over the years. So it's kind of a mishmash of people. Um, now, there, there's, a very, there's a much smaller group within that. You know, out of those, let's say, 10,000 people, uh, there's a much smaller group that actually see the stuff that I post uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And what's happening is the algorithm is kind of standing between me and that like that little, little initial testing group. It's standing between that testing group and the rest of my followers. So let's say that my post reached the same 150 people, right? That's kind of that small group testing ground that Facebook is using. So it might be bigger for you, you know, if you're really good at creating engaging posts, maybe you have uh, 500 people who see your stuff when you post it. Great. You know, it's good. That's going to vary for everybody, I think. But I was talking to one of my clients uh, just about these general concepts. She runs a, um, a Facebook group of 50,000 plus people. And she said she'd be surprised if it was as high as 5%, that, that kind of testing group that sees your post first. So imagine that little testing group, right? Let's say it's 150 people. So when you post something, unless it's extraordinarily engaging, it's going to be the same 150 people that see it. And if it's not extraordinarily engaging, guess what? The algorithm locks that post away and basically does show it to the other people that are following you. So that's one of the major rules that uh, of the game that's kind of changed over the last five years or so. Uh, that change didn't happen immediately. And you know, the definition of what's engaging has kind of shifted underneath our feet this whole time, right? What's what makes engaging content? Uh, what makes engaging content right now is real-time content backed by real-time engagement, you know, interacting in the comments section, bring the comments over to the direct messages, interacting with people that way, um, reinforcing that by posting a bunch of stories and, and people interacting with the stories and then that moving over into the messages. Like that's, that's what social media has kind of decided that they want right now. That's what they consider engaging. So when we look at that, 
when we look at what's considered engaging, the definition of that has changed over time. And that is now the standard for whether a post breaks out beyond that little testing ground group of people. And so there's this whole section, you know, 95, 90%, something like that of our audience that it seems like we reach through our, our, our social media posts, because, you know, like we've got the numbers, if you've got 5,000 friends, if you've got a whole bunch of followers, whatever it is, um, you know, I, one of our clients has 500,000 followers on Instagram. Uh, unfortunately, the engagement around those posts doesn't appear to be any higher than one of our other clients that has 150,000 on Instagram. I've seen the same, the same uh, disparities or asymmetry, if you want to call it that. I've seen that same thing going on on LinkedIn, where I had a friend that had 15,000 followers on LinkedIn, and he had a certain level of engagement, and he was looking at someone that had double the number of followers, 30,000 followers on LinkedIn, and that person got no different or better engagement numbers than he did. So twice the followers didn't not, not only did it not generate twice the engagement, it didn't appear to be even moved the engagement needle at all. So it's clear to me by now that the rules of the game have, have changed massively, right? Social media is playing, it's so new, the rules have shifted so much, you know, over the last, let's say five to 10 years, uh, that we're literally playing a new game. But our mindset towards social media has not caught up. Right, We're, we haven't adjusted our mindset according to what's actually going on. So, uh, what's the solution to to that problem? Well, the first one is you can you can give the social media companies what they want, and you can create engaging content. The problem is who decides what's engaging. Like on Facebook, for example, how they kind of define what gets engagement is comments and shares. Uh, even likes don't seem to be factored in as much anymore. I mean, we can see that from, you know, Facebook experimenting with taking the like button off of Instagram in various ways. Um, and for small groups of users, they're kind of testing that out. And um, so that that is kind of an indication of where Facebook is going. Just hitting like isn't enough. If you can't get somebody to comment, and especially if you can't get them to share the post, then that's considered less engaging. Unfortunately, what's not factored into all of that is let's say you put up a post about your podcast episode and somebody goes, oh, awesome, their new episode is out and they go directly to Apple Podcasts and they go subscribe to your show or they listen to the episode. That gets no engagement because it's not visible to Facebook, right? Uh, what happens if you write this amazing, you know, two or three or four paragraph post that's kind of a training post or uh, sharing something that, that's very meaningful to you that backs up your point of view or a bold opinion or something like that. And it gets a, and somebody goes, man, that's really awesome. And they, it, it provokes a lot of thought and it gets them thinking about hiring you and they hit like, and they move on. Facebook goes, meh, no, you know, they didn't, you didn't get them to comment. You didn't get them to share the article. So the way that they've defined engagement, the way that they've chosen to define engagement, to me, skews towards the extroverts. It skews towards the people that have audiences that are extroverts and they themselves are extreme social butterflies, uh, which creates a problem for the rest of us that are more on the introverted side. Even if you're just introverted on social media, you experience the same thing, which is if you can't get people to engage in an extroverted way, right? If you can't get people to engage in an extroverted way by commenting or sharing, then that content gets defined as not engaging and bam, the algorithm shuts it down and you don't reach 95% of your followers with it. So when we're making marketing decisions, unfortunately, what we're looking at a lot of times is we're looking at the overall big vanity metric numbers, um, which is our follower counts, our friends or whatever. And we're looking at those counts 
in how we make our marketing decisions. In other words, if you've got a half a million people on Instagram, you're looking at that going, hey, like I need to maximize that and post all the time there. I also know people that do the same thing when they have 500 followers on Instagram, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, because if you realize that you're not reaching 95% of those people, then really what we're talking about is if you've got you know 500 followers on Instagram, maybe, I don't know, 20 to 50, see the initial post. And if it doesn't get engagement, it gets shut down there. If you're like me and you've got 10,000 followers on Facebook and you post something and 150 people is that testing group or that small, that testing ground of people, then really you only have access to those first 150 people unless you post something that's extraordinarily engaging, which means 90% of the time, which is going to be, you're not creating something super engaging in the business world. Um, then that means most people are not going to see your stuff most of the time. And my contention on this episode, at least, is that we have to start taking that into account, right? Followers and friends and the friend counts and the follower counts and all that stuff have really become vanity metrics, like in the most, in the truest, most accurate sense of that word. It's no longer just the fact that, you know, hey, I don't want to compete on the number of people. It's the fact that literally that number doesn't mean what it used to be right? It no longer means the same thing for me to have 10,000 people following my, me on Facebook when it's the same 150 people that actually see my posts. And if it doesn't get engagement as defined by Facebook, nobody else sees it. What that really means is that I have 150 people following me on Facebook. Now, if you saw that follower count or that friend count as your number, would you really worry about what you were doing on social media as much? I would contend no. Right. I mean, imagine if you hopped on Facebook and you've got all of 150 friends, would you worry that much about, you know, would you excruciate over every post? Would you be wondering, hey, am I not posting enough? Or am I posting too much? Or what am I posting and all this stuff? If there's only 150 people connected to you on social media, uh, obviously the answer is no, we wouldn't worry about it anywhere near as much. So the fact that we have these these follower counts and friend counts that have basically now become vanity metrics, I think should start being factored into our marketing decisions. Um, to me, we need to adopt a whole new mindset and treat social media according to the reach they're actually giving us and not the vanity metrics. So if you've got an Instagram account where you haven't been active and you have less than a thousand followers, why are you bothering excruciating over what you're going to post there? Why even think about it? If it's not your primary channel if it's not, and it's not something you enjoy doing, uh, you're just reposting content there, or you're thinking about, you know, getting active there, but you're really not excited about it. Like if that's you, I would argue, stop worrying about it. Uh, I know a lot of people that they endlessly try to bridge these, um, uh, what would you say? Competing goals, competing interests, competing priorities where, you know, they're all, yes, they have an account over here. They've got Twitter. It's got, a, you know, a few hundred people there and they've got Instagram and there's, you know, 500 people there and they've got Facebook and maybe they got a couple of thousand friends or something like that. And they're trying to figure out like, you know, how do I make sure I'm on all those platforms? If you had, if it gave you the true reach and you realize that each of those accounts, you maybe reach a hundred people, would you worry about all of them? Probably not. You probably just pick one and go with it because you'd realize, hey, like it's just not giving me a ton of reach. So why worry about being on all those platforms? Um, the, the key to breaking out of that is you either have to chase the engagement kind of thing down and give Facebook what it wants, which right now is real-time content, real-time engagement, right? You have to chase that down and constantly be adjusting what you're doing to chase what they, what they believe and what they change the definition of engaging content to, whatever that is tomorrow, right? So you either have to chase that down or go where there is no algorithm, 
right? There's only only two directions you can go. You have to give the social media companies what they want and try to fit their ever-changing description of what engaging content is, even if that means pretending to be something you're not, right? Pretending to be an extrovert, pretending to be a social butterfly, whatever. Or the other direction you can go is you can focus on other forms of marketing where either there is no algorithm or where the description of engaging content fits your personality. For example, you know, I talked a little bit about how, you know, an engaging article or something like that on Facebook or a post about your podcast that prompts somebody to go download your episode on, on Apple Podcasts. None of that really is visible to Facebook. It's not tracked and it doesn't count as engaging content. If you go over to YouTube, YouTube tracks the watch time of your videos and it looks at whether people go from watching one of your videos to another. Right. So if you create engaging content in the sense that it gets consumed, YouTube looks at that and goes, hey, pat on the back, job well done. We're going to serve your videos up to more people. Think about how opposite that is from what Facebook does. Facebook goes, I don't care how many people actually read your entire post. I don't care how many people interacted or consumed your video. I care about whether they commented or shared. And the consumption of the content is, is in the back seat, if it's counted at all. I mean, maybe on the video side, they count it a little bit, but if you can't get comments and shares, they seem to really disregard that as engagement. But on YouTube, if you can just create engaging content that actually gets people to consume it, then YouTube isn't paying as much attention to whether they commented and whether they shared the video. What YouTube is looking at is watch time and whether somebody clicks through to watch another one of your videos after they watch one of them. It's a completely different way of defining engagement. And I would argue that's a much better way of defining engagement that works for introverts, both on the creator side and the audience side, right? If you're an introvert and you watch an amazing video, you are less likely than an extrovert to go share that on social media. Why? Because you're less extroverted. You're less social, right? That's not the first thing you think of. When introverts consume an amazing piece of content, a lot of times what we want to do is go think about it, or we want to go deeper down the rabbit hole and consume more of that person's content. Uh, the first thing we think about isn't necessarily to tell all of our friends about a piece of content. That is an extrovert trait. So when you define engagement by things that only extroverts tend to do, you're going to skew towards extroverts on the audience side and extroverts on the creator side, the people that are best at creating content that gets other extroverts to be extroverted. So a platform like YouTube, for example, is much better suited for introverts. Now, uh, I would argue podcasting is even better suited than that for all, you know, a bunch of reasons we've talked about. And I've got a whole other episode about, you know, podcasting versus YouTube, but that's just an example, right? YouTube is really good. I would say much better than podcasting at this point at watching who consumes what and serving up and recommending similar content to that based on whether people actually consume it, not based on whether they hit comment and share. So if you're an introvert, there's a whole universe of other stuff that you can be doing, uh, podcasting, YouTube, guest interviews on other podcasts. That's a, a huge part of my strategy. You can even, even do direct mail, books, speaking engagements, go super old school. Uh, there's other places that are that operate a little bit differently with their algorithm, like Twitter. And there's also places like Medium and Stub, uh, Substack where you can write long form articles still. Um, you can interact and write articles or long form answers on Quora. I know a couple of people uh, in Silicon Valley that do amazingly well, um, you know, giving long form answers to questions on Quora. Uh, you can also do guest posting on niche blogs. But the point of all that is that there, there are other things, other avenues, other forms of marketing where there is no algorithm or where the description of engaging content fits uh, an introverted personality a lot better. So before you beat yourself up or try to, you know, uh, keep all these 
uh, plates spinning and, and balls juggling in the air of all these different social media profiles and, or a Facebook group that you started a year ago that, that doesn't really have an engagement and, and never topped a thousand uh, people in the group and all, like all this stuff. People juggle these things all the time trying to figure out like, hey, I, need, I really need to be everywhere. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> you absolutely do not have to be everywhere. And if social media was honest about what your true reach is on 90% of your posts that just kind of get the average level of engagement that a business post gets, then you would never probably worry about it. You'd probably not give it a second thought. But because social media changed the rules of the game so gradually over the last five years, and we've spent all this time building up an audience, and we look at those top line numbers, you know, 5,000, 10,000, or, or you've got 150,000 followers on Instagram or whatever, um, we look at those top line numbers and we go, man, how can I neglect all those people that are, that are expecting content from me? And what you're not seeing is that it's really just the super small percentage of that that's that testing ground. They're the ones that actually see your content. Most of the time, 90% of your audience doesn't, which means if social media was honest about what your true reach was, you wouldn't factor it in so heavily in the way that you make marketing decisions. And you'd probably invest your time and energy in other places that would give you much, much bigger returns on that investment. So if there's one thing you can take away from that, is that there's only two directions you can go. Social media has changed the rules of the game. You can either give it what it wants, which is always changing, or you can focus on other forms of marketing where there's no algorithm or their definition of engaging content actually fits your personality as an introvert a lot better. So I hope, uh, hope you got something out of that. I know this is a little bit of an unusual episode, just kind of going stream of consciousness today, but hopefully that was helpful. Uh, if you're looking at podcasting uh, as that form of marketing that does fit your personality better, uh, I did a whole uh, you know a whole post about why you know podcasting is a much better forum for introverts, not just on the creator side, but on the on the consum on the consumer side, right? If you're an introvert and you're looking for solutions to problems in your business, you're going to go to places like podcasts because that's where you get to listen to deep one-on-one uh, -on -one authentic conversations with influencers that can actually deliver you solutions to the problems that you're having in your business. That's where people are looking for solutions. So if you have something to sell to those people, if you're the coach, the consultant, the speaker, the author, the thought leader, if you have something to sell to those people, then go where they're hanging out looking for solutions. Don't spend all your time in places where they're looking at cat videos, right? They're just not in the frame of mind where they're looking for solutions. But on podcasts, that's exactly why they're listening. They are there for solutions to problems in their business. So if you go there, you get interviewed on podcasts, you launch your own podcast, all that fun stuff, you're going to get access to that group of people. Now, if you want to work with an agency like ours, to, uh, to launch and produce a podcast that can attract ideal clients. Obviously, I'd love to talk to you. Just uh, go to pursuingresults.com. You can grab a brainstorm call there and we can talk through your podcast idea, see if it has legs and see if we're a good fit to work together potentially. Um, but even if you just like, however you get involved, start thinking about things differently and, and start looking at the true reach that you have on social media and factor that into your marketing decisions. Don't get bullied and bombarded by all the stuff that's out there into wasting your time investing in platforms where you only reach one to 5% of those top line numbers, right? Where, where they don't, they're not honest with you about your true reach, the number of people you're truly reaching with your posts. So the rules of the game have changed massively. I think it's time that the way that we approach social media changes along with it. Hopefully that's helpful and we'll see you on the next episode.